Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Samuel chapter number 12. I want to say before we begin tonight a big you, big thank you and congratulations to you for helping us this last weekend. We had, um, I think, uh, if I'm memory serves me well, just over $10,500. Uh, half of that came in in cash on Sunday and the other half was pledged to come in in the next 30 days. Uh, but I think you ought to give yourselves a hand clap of appreciation for ten thousand five hundred and something dollars. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I I want to say thank you for helping and following me and and the burden that we have there. And um, I know that the people there will be very appreciative and. The work of God will be furthered because of your sacrifice. And uh, so I, I want to say thank you. And uh, I'm very proud of this church always responding to the call. And there's times when uh, we're doing, I, I, no other way to say it, but just that we're doing more abundantly than others. And uh, maybe we don't have the restrictions on us. And uh, perhaps, um, you know, things are just going better economically. But you stepped up this last Sunday and gave, and I, I'm very grateful and will always be appreciative for that. So I wanted to let you know how much we appreciated you and, and um, how much you gave. And I uh, was kind of uh, excited, couldn't hardly wait until I got here tonight to be able to tell you. So I thank you. Second Samuel chapter number 12, this is a familiar story, familiar reading, but there's a portion of this that I want to lift in the um, latter part of this story. Let's begin with verse 1. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There was two men in one city, the one rich, the, the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and he grew, and it grew up together with him and with his children, and did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was to come to him. And David, David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said unto Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity or compassion. Verse 7, And Nathan said to David, and this is where I want you to take note, Thou art the man, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. Verse 8, And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wife, wives unto thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, if that wasn't enough, 
I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Maybe you've read that story many times. I know I've read over it many times and not noticed the latter portion of verse 8. And I would moreover have given to thee such and such things. If all that you had, David, had not been enough, and if you felt like that was too little, I had more blessings. This was the Lord speaking to David. And he said, I would moreover have given to thee such and such things. And so I want to use as a subject title tonight this subject. Don't miss your such and such things. And everybody's extended blessings from God is different. Everybody, if I could say it this way, everybody's such and such things from the Lord is peculiar to you. It's different. And not everybody's is the same. There are certain things that all of us are afforded from God. Salvation is one of them. Aren't you thankful for this glorious salvation? Aren't you thankful that you've been delivered from sin? You know the truth. All of those things, revelation of truth and salvation, the Holy Ghost, the, the gifts that God gives us along that way is, is, is general and to us all, to everybody. As many as the Lord our God shall call, the Scripture says. But there is such and such things that are peculiar to you, blessings that God has for you specifically. And we don't want to miss them. Can you say praise the Lord? So I, that's what I want to preach about tonight. Don't miss your such and such things. Would you lift up your hands and your voices with me and let's pray together. The Lord God of heaven would touch us tonight. Bless us in this house. Minister, minister to people in this place. In Jesus' name, I'm asking you to move and work and have your way, touching each and every heart, each and every soul, each and every person that is gathered here. I'm praying, God, that your word would find lodging place in our heart. We know that it will not return void, the Bible says. And I'm praying, God, that it would accomplish what it set out to do tonight. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Come on, say it with a little bit of conviction. In Jesus' name, praise God. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Get a little water there for the stomach's sake. Praise God, I was getting dry. I, I am so thankful that we're not serving a stingy God. We're not serving a God that that holds back or is selfish with in some way his goodness and his blessings. Matter of fact, I think most of us would have to concur here tonight that God has given us far more than we deserve. Would we consider his mercy and uh, his grace and his goodness in our lives and how that he has been so patient with most of us I think we'd all have to agree tonight and give thanks and praise to the Lord that his mercy, as the psalmist said, is everlasting and it endureth forever. Praise the Lord. And I am so thankful that he blesses us and his benefits. He daily, as the psalmist said, loadeth us with benefits. Every day when we wake up in the morning, if we're able to breathe and we're able to live and we're full of the Holy Ghost, we, we know what it is to be blessed of God. 
I understand that we're living life and there's a lot of different things that, that come into the balance of life that sometimes uh, are challenges to us and even contradictions to our walk with God. But overall, we overcome. Overall, we are blessed and we can be victorious through the goodness of God and the blessings of God that are upon us. And uh, we, we're so thankful for them. And we, that's why we come to the house of God and we show forth praise like we do. That's why we sing. That's why we lift our hands. That's why we're exuberant. I, I don't apologize for that. Because we didn't come to a funeral tonight. We come to worship a living God that is alive and on the throne. And we believe in control of everything. And has blessed us abundantly and is deserving of all of our praise and much more than we're even capable of giving. So there's, there's no way for me to possibly express or to properly articulate how good God has been to me. And uh, I think that all of us could tell our own story and have our own testimony of how good God has been. And how that the Lord has placed his hand of favor upon our lives. It wasn't always this way. Uh, many of us came from lives and lifestyles of sin, and maybe even over time it was just a family thread that ran through our family of, of sinners and people that were um, disobedient to God and lived a life of debauchery and did not know God or was not a part of his church, did not live in righteousness. But God called you and he ordained for you to be here and God filled you with the Holy Ghost and so we all have a lot to be thankful for. The Apostle Paul was speaking to his son in the gospel, Timothy, the young pastor, 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse uh, number 20. It says, but in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. In other words, if you want to be and you desire to be used of God, you can be used of God. If you want the blessings of God upon your life, if you want God's favor, and if you want God to use you for his purpose, then you can, you can certainly be blessed of the Lord and God can anoint you and you can be that vessel of honor, the scripture says, that is meet or qualified for the master's use. God doesn't just use anything, but he has to clean us up. And we have to be sanctified. And so if a man uh, would purge himself, that means repent and, and uh, put some things under the blood and then be sanctified. That's the part that, that God helps us with. We cannot sanctify necessarily ourselves. All we can do is make the choice to repent, but as we repent of our sins, the Bible said that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Aren't you thankful that God is a forgiving God? 
that he doesn't keep a long list of all of your failures and all of the mess-ups in your life, but you can go to an altar and God takes a great big eraser. Amen. Really, it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses the pages of all the wrongdoing in our lives and makes us meet or qualified for the master's use. And David, even from a young age, was a young man that had a heart for God and a man that had made himself qualified by his faithfulness to God and his heart for God and his following after the Lord. We see it even at a tender age. He, he was willing to separate himself unto the Lord. He was one that had faith while others uh, were totally dismayed and had fear of the giant Goliath. God, God placed a faith in the heart of David and he was willing to exercise that faith and God used him. He was a vessel that God used to bring Israel victory. He was a vessel that God used to restore Israel to its rightful place in the kingdom. Uh, he, was, uh, he was a man that God used to conquer enemies that were against his people. And God had his hand definitely upon David even from an early, early age. And it's a tremendous story, the story of David how that he went from being a shepherd boy and God brought him out of the sheep coat, the scripture says. And then not only did he use him to deliver Israel from the giant, but he eventually becomes king over all of Israel. And out of all the men of Israel, this is the one that God chose. Saul was a people's choice, but but uh, God chose David. This was a man that he sought out. This was not a man that had a, a long lineage. This was not a man that, that was uh, uh, maybe from the heritage of a king or any of the sort. This was not a man that his father was a king and so he just inherited the throne. But this was a man that God had chose and God had called out. And isn't that an awesome thing when God calls somebody and calls them out of whatever lifestyle that they're in and they may seem like they're unqualified but in the eyes of God all he's looking for is availability and God uses the, their heart that is tender towards him and establishes them and makes something great out of them. Meet for the master's use as the scripture said. And so God calls David and honors David and blesses David with a tremendous anointing. And we all know this particular story. Matter of fact, when you think of David and all of his accomplishments and all of his victories and all the blessings of God, there's just this one blight that comes to mind out of all of David's life. And that is the situation concerning Bathsheba and then the sin that he participated in in the murdering of her husband Uriah. And this is the one thing that comes to mind that is the blot on his life or the mistake that seems so huge and it was certainly it was certainly a terrible sin that David was involved in. It was a sin that God called him out on and dealt with him strongly about in a sin that I want to say that he had to suffer the consequences of even though God forgave him and he was able to get things straight uh, 
and be restored in his relationship with God, there was still consequences from this sin because even Nathan said the sword will never depart from your house. So we, we must understand that when we sow seed, God is not mocked. Amen. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's a law. What we call in the Bible the law of the harvest. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. You can't plant apples and expect oranges. You, you can't plant uh, potatoes and expect green beans. That's just how it goes. Whatever you plant, that's what you're going to reap. Whatever you sow, whatever you place in the ground, that's what's going to come up. And so in the life of David, even though he was able to be restored, he was able to be saved, later called a man after God's own heart, there was still this, this sword that did not depart from his house. And David sinned against God in partaking uh, of Bathsheba and, and the sin of immorality that was committed uh, between David and Bathsheba. And we know that there's probably many, many reasons why that this sin was committed that we're not able to to see here in the scripture. We don't know every detail of what was going on in David's life. We don't understand every detail that led to this particular moment, but there is some clues here. There is some things that we see, and I think certain pitfalls that are warning to us that we should avoid in our own relationship. And I believe that, I believe just what the Bible says, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable to us. And as an example, as the scripture says to us, that we can follow so that we can avoid pitfalls, even the pitfalls of great patriarchs in the Bible because the Bible does not whitewash its pages for anybody. Even its greatest heroes, it tells us their blind spots. It tells us their moments of inconsistency. And so it is in the life of David, this man that was a man after God's own heart, yet still a man, yet still had humanity. He still had some contradictions within him. And so I, I, I begin to study what was some things that kept David from being what he could have been. Or maybe what was the things that he involved himself in that led to this particular sin in his life? Because really, that's one of the only things that you can really point at in David's life that was sinful to the point that uh, we look at it as a great blight against him. Now we understand that he sinned against God when he numbered the people and so on. He did not have the faith that he should have had. I know there's other times and other accounts of sin, but this is the big one that we always think about. And, of course, uh, first of all, we know that when he sent his men to battle, it had been usually customary for him as a king to go with them because this man was a man that was a warrior. This was a man that was familiar with fighting the Philistines. This was a man that would always go out and lead his men in battle, and yet the Bible said this particular time he stayed home. He stayed and did not go out to battle with them. And I don't know exactly what led to this temptation in his life, but perhaps he got bored. He had had victory after victory. 
he had had defeat over the enemy. He had overcame them so many times in previous battles that it no longer had the thrill perhaps that it used to have and and it no longer had the appeal to him and the attraction that maybe at one time it used to have and so he stays home. And can I tell you that it's very important that we stay enthused, that we stay excited, that we stay enthralled with the things of God, that we not lose the wonder of living for the Lord. We not lose our excitement and passion for the things of God. I don't ever want to get bored with all the blessings that God has bestowed upon my life and all the good things that God has given to me. Help me never to reach the place that I get kind of bored with the things of God or I lose my passion for the things of God or it's just kind of a ho-hum deal to me because I understand that there's a danger in allowing myself to lose my excitement for the things of God because if I'm no longer excited about it if I'm no longer thrilled about it uh, then eventually uh, it's going to lead to a passionless experience in God it's going to lead to me uh, not being involved in the work of God as I should be and can I just tell you that you being involved in the work of God not only keeps you a man not only does it bless you not only does the Lord's hand rest upon the people that are working for him and God favors that and he blesses somebody that is willing to invest in the kingdom of God but I believe it puts a hedge of protection around you when you're involved in the work of the Lord. Amen. I said I believe it puts a hedge of protection around you as long as you're fighting for the Lord and as long as you're working for God, as long as you're involved in the things of the church and the kingdom of God, it's a protection to you. It'll save you by reaching out and ministering to somebody else and being of help to them. You're helping yourself. That's right. Praise the Lord. We sometimes don't view it that way. We can get uh, the attitude that we're on this uh, battlefield all by ourselves and we're doing this all alone and we're able to do it all alone, but that's a myth. None of us is able able to make it by ourselves. That's why we need a church. That's why we've got to have a preacher, a pastor in our lives. That's why we need on a regular basis the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God to be uh, placed and deposited in our heart, to give us the strength that we need. That's why I've got to be faithful to the house of God. Is I need my connection to the church. I need my connection. My connection to God comes through the church. That's what He's provided for me. The avenue, the vehicle that He's going to use to save me is the church. The Bible does not say He's coming back for you in the rapture. It says He's coming back for a church that is without spot or blemish or any such thing. Amen. So if you want to be a part of the rapture, you need to be a part of the church of the living God. And it's through your connection to the church. Praise the Lord. We've allowed the world and its terminology to filter into Pentecost, this personal Savior stuff. Now, I believe in a personal Savior. But I do believe that we all need help. We all need the strength that we derive from one another. 
We all need the support that we get from one another. Praise God. No long rangers are going to make it. I said no long rangers are going to make it. We're all going to need one another. There's going to be a time that you're going to need somebody else's prayer. You're going to need somebody else's help. And so, so it's through your involvement in the work of God because it's just the nature of things. There's the tendency for things to get stale and the joy to wear off. And the only way for us to stave off that feeling is to invite somebody else to the experience sometimes. Do you hear me? Amen. That's why evangelism is so important to you and your salvation. You staying involved in that, that's the way God created it. He created all of us to be people that reproduce other folks and bring other people in to the kingdom of God. Nobody is exempt from being an evangelist. Nobody is exempt from being involved in the mission. We're all commissioned to win souls. Amen. He sent us all forth to, to be a witness for him. If you got the Holy Ghost, he said, I gave you power to be a witness in this world. Come on, is that what Acts 1, 7, 1, 9, somewhere in there says, that you receive power to be a witness in this world? Praise God. And so we're all to be involved in evangelism, all to be involved in the work of the Lord. And by reaching out and being involved and reaching to others and endeavoring to minister to others, we're ministering to ourselves and God's going to help and God's going to supply our needs. The way that you can keep the joy flowing in your life is to bring somebody else with you and let them experience it too. Amen. Some of the greatest blessings that I've ever received is since I received the Holy Ghost is seeing somebody else receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Seeing somebody else receive this great promise. Seeing somebody else baptized in Jesus' name. Somebody else blessed. Somebody, some backslider come in and pray through to the Holy Ghost. That brings joy to my soul. Come on, does that bring joy to you when you see somebody receive this wonderful experience? I... I remember many of you know Brother Solomon from Ethiopia, and uh, he and his sons have came here several times. Well, one particular time they came and stayed in our home because of the uh, schedule lapse. They had to stay there for, I think, a little over a week. And so there was a few free days there, and we decided to take them to Branson. They had never been to anything remotely like Branson. There is not one amusement park in all of Ethiopia or anything that even uh, is like that at all. I mean, a roller coaster, when they saw the rides and things like that, uh, it blew their mind. They'd never seen anything like that before. Can you imagine these Africans for the first time walking into Silver Dollar City and their eyes are like this? Now, Brother Solomon, he didn't have many casual clothes. So when he went to uh, Silver Dollar City, he went in a, in a full suit with a tie. Just like I'm dressed right now. He walked in to eat, into uh, the Silver Dollar City, of this, and, and they're kind of all looking at him a little bit strange. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you ride this roller coaster with me. Now, I've ridden so many roller coasters over my lifetime, they don't excite me anymore. Matter of fact, I get a headache when I ride them. I'm all that beating and banging and carrying on. And my kids, my older kids, Chanel's just now coming around to it. 
but my older kids tried to get me to ride them, and I oh, try to beg off. And and uh, but you know what? I couldn't hardly wait to get Brother Solomon and his son on that roller coaster in his suit. <laughs> and so they didn't really know what they was lining up for. They said, "What's all this about?" The big old line, you know, zigzagging through the the different lines. And we got down there, and and finally we come around. And I said, now, we're going we're gonna to get, I got them right up to the front. I mean, if you're going to ride a roller coaster, why would you want to ride in the middle? It's either the front or the back. That's the only two seats on the whole thing. And so it was one of those kind where you, they got the deal that comes, it flips over about four or five times out there and it goes down big old massive hills. And, and they didn't know, they still didn't know what they was getting into because they really couldn't see the thing down there. It goes down the side of a hill and all this and, and so they really couldn't see what was going on. They knew they were signing on to something, though. By by the time they heard people screaming, and uh, they, they didn't really know, but they was, they just believed in me. And 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 I and I, I said, "Come on, fellas, we're gonna have a good time." And uh, so I set them right up there on the front. We got a picture of this, and uh, we took off, and click, 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 click. All the way up to the top, I said, man, this is going to be great. And we started off down that thing, and, and I couldn't. Uh, uh, they had been talking. They had been carrying on. All of a sudden, nothing, silence. I thought, man, how am I going to explain that I killed these guys? And we come to finally, you know, they don't last very long. I mean, you stand in line for three hours and ride for 30 seconds. And get, finally, the air brakes hit, and, we, and, and I look over, and, the son has his eyes closed. And uh, Brother Solomon finally, he gets a few words out. He said, we are alive. <laughs> but if you want to bring excitement in something, you bring somebody else to the experience. You want to get excited about something all over again, that's the best roller coaster ride I've had in probably 20 years. Amen. Because I brought somebody else to the experience. Amen. That's how you keep the thrill. That's how you keep the excitement. That's how you keep the passion involved in it. Praise God. It's bring somebody else to the experience. And that's the way it is living for God. You bring somebody else to church and you start watching them come to God and God bless them and them get in the church and God begin to turn their life around. Hey, you get a lot of joy out of that. It'll bless you. It'll be a help to you. God will honor that in your life. Can you say praise the Lord? But David, he disengaged. He, 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 he went into a, a, a neutral mode and he eventually fell into temptation and sin. And then after the sin was committed, his second mistake was is that he didn't immediately repent of it. But it, best I can tell, for almost a year, he tried to cover that sin. First of all, he does the ghastly thing of, of putting Uriah out on the front lines, trying to cover it up. He tried other methods of trying to cover it up and realized that wasn't going to work, finally puts him out there and has him killed so that he, in the eyes of the people, could lawfully take her as his wife. But God's watching all of this. God sees it all, and he's not fooling really anybody. And God sends him a preacher to preach to him. 
for a year he tried to cover. I'm going to tell you, the longer you try to hide things in your heart, the harder it is to get it out. The quicker you can get to an altar and pour your heart out to God and say, God, I need you to cleanse me and wash me and, and I need you uh, to, to restore me and I'm, I'm sorry and I, I repent. God, he, a humble and a contrite spirit, the Bible said no wise would he cast them out. And so when we humbly come before the Lord and say, I made a mistake and I failed and, and we repent, the easier it is for us to be restored. But the longer we wait, the more hardened we get to think and we got by with it. And so that led to the next problem in David's life and that was justifying his wrongdoing. I heard somebody make this remark a long time ago and it stuck with me that justification is the first step towards a reprobate mind. And there's a lot of truth in that because we start justifying our wrongs and we start justifying maybe holding on to our sin and whatever it is that perhaps we think that we're getting by with it because judgment has been prolonged and it hasn't come. I'm going to tell you something. God is not bound to our time clock to pass judgment on somebody. Sometimes we think, well, they're doing wrong. I wonder why God ain't striking them dead. I wonder why they hadn't all of a sudden seen all the blessings of their life revoked. I wonder why. Hey, God doesn't work on the time schedule that we do but sooner or later, sooner or later things surface. Sooner or later what's being sowed is going to be reaped. Sooner or later you're going to see that living for God and living righteously really does pay off. And those that choose not to pay the repercussions for their sin. And so David perhaps adopted the attitude that, man, I'm getting by. It doesn't look like anything's really happening to me. Oh, don't 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 ever get that kind of an attitude of justifying your wrong. Make sure that you're tender and sensitive to God. When God strikes your heart with conviction, you need to understand that God's care, caring for me and God is merciful to me to let me feel that conviction. And me being sensitive to that is the best thing for me and my soul being saved. I need to find myself an altar. I need to find myself a place to pray. And I want my heart to be smote. And I don't want God, I don't want God to, to not be able to touch me and and convict me in my wrongs. I don't want to be so callous that he cannot touch me, but I want to be sensitive to the voice of God. So important if you're going to be saved that you be sensitive to the voice of God because as you're disobedient to the voice of God, it gets harder to hear God speak to you. As you tune it out and you go on in your own self-will, it becomes harder for you to hear the voice of God. The way we get God to speak to us more because I believe that he's always willing to speak to us is to be obedient to him. And then he'll give us the next step and he'll give us the next word from God and he'll show us the, the next thing that we need to do and he'll speak to us again. But you tune him out and you don't listen to him that he stops speaking to your soul. And we all need him to speak to us, don't we? We all need to be able to hear his voice. What did the scripture say? It said, harden not your heart as they did, speaking of the children of Israel in the day of provocation. He said, but hear the voice of the Lord. When it speaks to you, don't harden your heart against it, but be open to it and receive it. 
and let the Lord convict you and deal with you. And so God sends Nathan, the preacher, the prophet, in David's life, and he had a message that I suppose would have been most difficult to preach to a king, a man that had already killed another man, a man that already had blood on his hands. Who's to say, and he could have if he had wanted to, if he didn't like the message of the prophet, he could have had him killed. But thankfully, David still had some tenderness down deep in his heart. And when the preacher preached to him, and he told him this story, and David was so moved by it that he, he in his anger, said, that man needs to, to, to pay restitution, and he needs to be put to death for what he's done. And the prophet pointed at him and said, but you're the man that I'm talking about, David. And David, David quickly admitted his sin and repented of it. But there's something that I notice here in verse 8. Nathan goes on and he's speaking. He says, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom. What he's actually saying here is that you could have married any of the people of, or the women of Israel. You could have married any of the ones of Israel that you wanted. There was just those that were already married was not lawful for you to be married to. You could have had them. You could have taken them for your wife. But you chose the forbidden thing. And I gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. I I brought the kingdom that had been divided, really, and a kingdom that had been in turmoil under Saul and there was a lot of disunity and discord under Saul. I brought it all together under you, David. And I put my hand of blessing upon you. And he said, and if that had been too little, if that wasn't enough, all the, the benefits that you've already received, if that wasn't enough, I had some more plans for you. I would have moreover have given to thee such and such things. Such and such things. I had many more blessings for you, David. I had many more things that I want to do for you in your life besides just establishing you as king and just anointing your life and doing all that I've done for you. There was other things that I had planned to do in your life and many more blessings and triumphs and victories that I wanted to give you, such and such things. And I want to I want to tell you that I believe that every one of us, as I've said in the preamble of this message tonight God has certain things that he wants to do in every one of our lives could I be so bold as to say that I believe that there's things that God wants to do in this church and for this people as a body as a church family God wants to bless and God wants to to give revival and God wants to do many, many things, uh, such and such things. There's great things that God has plans to do in our midst. Uh, Amen. I believe with all of my heart there's revival that is unprecedented. I believe that there is many blessings that he wants to give to individuals under the sound of my voice that are peculiar to you and to your family and prayers that you need him to answer and things that you've been seeking God 
God for and believing God for that are specific to you. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give unto you an expected end. In other words, i got a plan for you. There's some such and such things that I have laid up for you. There's some plans and there's some areas of your life that I want to bring to fruition. There's some areas that I want to develop you in and bless you in. Does anybody believe what I'm preaching here tonight? God has good things that he wants to do for you. Amen. Thoughts of good and not of evil. There's a lot of things that God is not a God that sits around looking for opportunities to pass judgment. But he's a God on the contrary that wants to bless and wants to give and wants to nurture and wants to help. And there's no reason why we should forfeit those blessings and those favors that God wants to place upon our lives. Amen. Amen. I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss my such and such things. Amen. The fringe benefits. Sometimes the hidden benefits of living for God. Uh, I'm thankful that I've received the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful that I've delivered from sin. I'm thankful to be a part of the church of the living God. But can I tell you all the things that that's kept me from? I've got people that I went to high school with that are no longer living because of sin. I've got people I went to high school with that are locked away in jail because of sin. I've got people that I went to high school with that are on the third and fourth marriages because of sin. I've got people that I went to high school with that are dying of disease as a result of sin. Can I tell you that that such and such thing in my life is that I came to God in an early age and He's blessed me and He's kept me from all of those things. I don't know what it is to, to be in jail. I've never been arrested in my life. That's a such and such thing in my life. That's the goodness of God and the mercies of the Lord in my life. I don't have a jail record. I don't have a, I, I'm not on parole tonight because there's such and such things that God has done for me. Praise God, praise God. And many of you can give testimony tonight of such and such things in your life that you can describe from your own testimony that God has done for you and blessed you. And maybe you had a father that died of alcoholism, but you've never taken a drink or you've been delivered from all of that. Maybe, maybe you had a father or a mother that died from drug addiction, but you're here tonight. You're delivered and you're set free. Maybe you had a family member that take that took their own life because of depression, but you live in the joy of the Holy Ghost tonight. That's a such and such thing in your life. God has been good to you. Praise the Lord. Amen. He's kept you and he's watched over you. And I don't want to miss my such and such thing. Amen. I'm talking about benefits beyond just salvation. And if there was nothing else, that's good enough. I said that's good enough if there was nothing else, but there is so many more blessings. He said, moreover, if that's too little, he said, I had a whole lot more, David, that I wanted to do for you. Such and such things. Would you stand with me? I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Amen. I don't want to do anything to forfeit that. And, and, and by staying sensitive to God and his word and faithful to him, 
I can keep myself from forfeiting those things in my life that God has planned for me. Because I again believe that he has a plan for every person here. Do you believe that? I don't believe anybody. It's just a coincidence that you stumbled in and that you came to God and that you're living for the Lord. But he called us, the Bible said, according to his purpose. That's right. According to his purpose. And that's why we're here tonight. And so as I look over the scripture, I find people like Moses, a great man, but just one moment of anger. God said, because you did that in the eyes of my people, he said, you're not going into the promised land. Still saved? Oh, yes. But he didn't experience what he could have had. That was a such and such thing that he could have experienced because he couldn't control his anger. Cain, selfishness and self-will, and he said, my punishment is more than I can bear. This is a boy that had potential because he built a city. Esau, uncontrolled appetites, missed the blessings of God, and he was unable to find repentance because he had just gotten so profane in his way, so calloused against God. The Bible said he was unable to find repentance even though he sought it bitterly with tears. Judas, the love of money. Can you imagine being Judas and realizing, as we know he did, when he threw that silver on the marble floors, the Sanhedrin, and said, take it back. Realizing, hey, I'm going to miss out on what is the greatest, greatest thing that's ever going to happen in this world heretofore. And that is the blood of Calvary that's able to cleanse, to wash and to purify a person of sin. And then he could have been on the ground level and the foundation, one of the apostles of the church, could have been there on the day of Pentecost, could have seen all the miracles of the book of Acts, yet he forfeited it because of his love for materialism. Saul, unwilling to obey the preaching of his man of God, Samuel, unwilling to submit to it, thought he knew a better way and as a result, lost his anointing. What about others of the scripture we could talk about, Demas and so on, that walked away and that could have had so many more blessings and things in their lives that we could be preaching about here tonight. And all of these are tragic stories of what could have been and blessings that could have been experienced. I'm going to tell you something we, we can live our lives for God going from glory to glory according to Scripture. This is, when you get in the church, that's just entry level, folks. When you get this new birth experience, as great and as awesome as it is, that's not the stopping point. That's the entry point. And we're to go from there experiencing the blessings of God and the goodness of the Lord, having revival and seeing God bless and seeing God work and seeing so many more such and such things in our lives. Going forward in God. Never looking back to the world. The beggarly elements, as Paul called them in the book of Galatians. I don't want to return to that. But I want to go on in God. If that's your desire tonight as a musician comes, I'd like for us just to gather around. It's still yet early. I'd like for us just to gather around this front.